Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What is up, everybody? This is a special edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio, coming to you on a Sunday afternoon after a wild weekend. Uh, the last big weekend in the boxing world, and it's funny because I was not planning to do this podcast. After Jake Paul knocked out Tyrone Woodley, I said to myself, I am done with boxing for the next week. I have the week off for Christmas. I'm not going to think about the sport. I'm going to recharge the batteries. And now here I am, set up my microphone, because there's no way I can go a week without getting my thoughts uh, out there into the metaverse uh, <laughs> but what a weekend it was, um, started on Friday night and a few items that I want to get into, um, before, uh, we take a break for, for the holidays and it was Friday night and it was Arthur better and it was Marcus Brown. And I love this fight, uh, heading into it. I love a fresh, intriguing matchup. Uh, it was taking place in Montreal, which is a sneaky, really fun fight city. You know, one of the best 175-pounders in the world in Arthur Beterbiev, a guy that we had not seen in a long time. It's only his second fight in the last two years. Same thing for uh, Marcus Brown, only his second fight uh, in the last two years, too. And then Marcus Brown, on the other hand, uh, you know, a former world uh, title contender, obviously was knocked out by Pascal. Pascal was on PEDs. Brown's got the Olympic uh, background. He was training one-on-one with Derek James, a world-class trainer. Uh, Southpaw, I mean, everything that I just listed made me believe this is going to be a fun fight. And it's on Friday night, too. Uh, terrible undercard. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Shout out to my guy, Corey Erdman, who was on the call, who got us through uh, that undercard. And I call a lot of fights with Corey on the Broadway boxing scene. He's one of the best. Uh, he is one of the best broadcasters uh, in boxing right now. And I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. But anyway, back to the fight. I thought the fight played out like I thought it was going to play out. I thought it was going to be... Uh, better be of coming out slow because he's a slow starter. And he has also hasn't fought uh, in, in two months and Brown kind of taking advantage of that and kind of jumping on better be And he did, I think he outlanded him like 20 to one over the first two rounds before a massive cut uh, from a headbutt. And I don't know what it is with Marcus Brown, maybe because he's a Southpaw, but this guy finds himself in fights with massive cuts because of headbutts. But a cut opens up over the forehead of uh, Betterbiev, and also Brown was cut as well. And that was in the fourth round. And I thought maybe like one of two things. Either Betterbiev's going to, it's going to be rough sledding from here on out because he's up there in age and, you know, it was a nasty cut, or he's going to see the blood and he's going to fight like a maniac. He's going to fight like the, the monster that he is. It was the latter. <laughs> it was the latter. He really turned it on in the fourth and fifth round, started throwing those lethal combinations. And if go back and watch the replays um, of the combinations that Betterbiev was throwing, it was cold and calculated hit the look on his face and how slow and how quiet and how just that look on his face when he's throwing these combinations, just so calm. It just pop. It's like a battering ram. It's like, you know, like, like a George Foreman in a 175 pound body. It's not fast. It's not flashy. It's just relentless, a relentless attack. You know, threw about 50 punches around better be which is way down from his average of about 67, but it, it, it's, it doesn't matter because his hands are so damn heavy that you can only stand up for so long. Now he's 17 and 0 now with 17 stoppages. There's no other champion in boxing that has stopped every single has a hundred percent KO ratio. 
Marcus Brown was tough. He was, you know, he was game for about three rounds. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I thought the fight was going to play out, but it was only a matter of time before better be you know, started going to the head body, head body, his, his trainer who uh, I don't have his name. I, I probably should, but I don't told him to just go head body. There's, it's pretty simple, a simple instruction from Arthur Betterbeev's trainer and Betterbeev goes out there and goes to the body, goes to the head, goes to the body and takes out Marcus Brown. Outstanding, bloody, uh, everything you want in, in a big fight. And I think Betterbeev now has, you know, woken up. You know, he had that cut over his, you see the cut the next day, I posted it on Twitter. Looked like a damn baseball scene in his head. Looked like Frankenstein. Uh, now he is 36 years old and going to enter this la- latter part of his career where he should cash in on some big fights. You know, he should pay uh, the payoff should be there for top rank and him. You know, he can fight Canelo. That's the name that everyone was talking about on, on Friday night on the Twitterverse and Saturday morning. You know, that's a great fight. I think it's Canelo's toughest test at 175. Uh, I, I don't know who wins. I think it's a pick 'em fight because better be has the two things that I think you need to beat Canelo. That's uh, power and that's volume. Not that he doesn't really move a lot, better be able. He, he didn't move much, uh, you know, like B-Vol, but he, he does come forward. He does have some move. He didn't really jab a lot either. And, and like, he had body, uh, uh, he had a body attack, better be able, but it wasn't like a consistent body attack. You know, some of his knockouts came on body shots, but he wasn't dedicated to the body. Not that you need that to be Canelo. You need power and you need volume, and better be have has that. I think it's going to take a really, really special fighter to beat better be and we have said for years now it's going to take a very very special fighter to beat canelo if those two tangle at 175 uh next year i mean there i know that there are some doubters out there whether canelo would take such a fight like that um you know the the detractors of canelo alvarez will say that he's waited out uh his, his opponents you know Cotto, golovkin you know even kovalev was older and also had just fought uh, Anthony Yard too so I don't know I don't know what Canelo does you know he's talking about fighting uh, at cruiserweight I thought that was some good reporting over the weekend by Dan Rayfield that kind of went uh, got lost in the sauce is that Canelo didn't even know about the Macabu fight until Eddie Reynoso uh, you know put in the special permission to the WBC I thought that was a pretty funny story so uh, better be if gets the win at 175 there was another 175 pound fight uh, this weekend that was uh, Saturday night on the zone it was Zerto Ramirez versus uh, Uneski Gonzalez. And I'm telling you what, man, light heavyweight Zerto remains a good ass time. I mean, he was pretty boring at 168, but not at 175. 175, he's, he's become like this Mexican Rocky. He's just brawling out there. Uh, he was rocked early in this fight and chose to make it a firefight. Really good rounds from, from Zerto now. This is two fights in a row where he's given fans exciting fight. Uh, the guy just turned 30 years old. He's intriguing to me on a number of uh, ways. He's huge, first of all. He's very tall, uh, over 6'2 or 6'3, throws lethal combinations, can sell tickets. Uh, not a huge ticket seller, but just enough over in San Antonio. Uh, they had a nice crowd there. Uh, he's got the Mexican fan base behind him. And like I said, only 30 years old. He's the youngest of all the 175-pounders. I mean, this guy could be a problem. It's, it's a really good problem to have in the light heavyweight division, which brings me to my next point. That's the light heavyweight picture. Uh, I think you can't deny that better be of is the best. Whether you think he's getting up there in age, whatever. Good is 17-0, 17 stoppages. Uh, I think he's the cream of the crop at 175. Uh, now, better be of is aligned with top rank and ESPN. You know who else is aligned with top Frank and ESPN that fights at 175 pounds and is a champion? It's Joe Smith Jr. That was supposed to be the fight. Remember last year at this time, 
We were all clamoring for it. We're all clamoring for better Bia versus Joe Smith. We said it was going to be the ultimate machismo fight. It was going to be two hard men getting in there. You know, Union Joe and better Bia the monster uh, for a unification bout on ESPN. You know, put that damn fight in a meat locker. Put that fight in Atlantic City, Baltimore Hall. Put it in, in uh, MSG, the big room. That is a fun, fun fight. But all of a sudden, Danny Jacobs got into the picture and tried to muddy it. And, you know, there was that rumors of Joe Smith and Danny Garcia, uh, excuse me, Danny Jacobs fighting. Now it looks like Danny Jacobs is going to fight John Ryder, as Chris Mannix reported. I don't mind ever seeing uh, Danny Jacobs fight again. Uh, that's the story for another day. But it seems like that maybe whole side of the deal is out. So maybe we can see better be a versus Joe Smith next year. I know it's not the sexiest of uh, all the uh, uh, matchups here. And it's not Canelo better be of, it's not better be a versus uh, B-ball, but it's a makeable fight. We're talking about realistic, makeable fights. Put that thing on regular ESPN. Top rank has shown that they will do that. So that's one of the things that leaves the other two top guys at 175 right now to square off. And they just so happen to be fighting on the same network. That's Dimitri Bivol who we saw f- uh, fight last weekend, and that's Zerto Ramirez, who we saw fight this past weekend. All four of these guys, too, are on the same fight schedule, if you notice that. They're all fighting within the same, you know, four uh, weeks of each other. So this is all lining up. Bivol and Zerto, both aligned with the zone. That's a fight that should be easy to make. Both guys over 30, zero big fights on the horizon. They are uh, years removed from their past or previous big fights. Pull the damn trigger. Stop waiting for Canelo. You have a chance to make some big fights at 175 in your 30s when you should be making big fights. And you can make your own fortune. You can call your own shots if you come out on top. And who knows? We can see an undisputed at 175. Uh, we can see a uh, more unification bounce. Let's say better BF gets past Joe Smith. And let's say whoever wins between Zerto and Bivol, probably Bivol. He's going to be favored in that one. So Bivol versus better BF. At the end of the year, I mean, who knows what could happen at that point? It's all there. It's the light heavyweight division is much like the lightweight division right now, where there are fun, interchangeable fights where you can, you know, make a case for each guy to win. That is all you can ask for in the boxing world. Some other news that went down over the weekend. This happened uh, late Saturday night when there were a lot of people still over the hysteria of the Jake Paul matchup, which I will get to at the end. It's Errol Spence. And your Dennis Ugas is approved by the WBA. This is good news, my friends. This is good news. Errol Spence is back after that eye injury. Uh, his fight with Pacquiao, obviously off over the summer. That was a bummer. We were people talking about whether we were going to see Errol Spence ever fight again. Well, if he does come back, it's going to be a year from now. And it's probably going to be a soft touch. That was put to bed once again. Errol Spence and soft touches should not go in the same sentence because the guy just doesn't do it. After his car accident, he could have fought anyone. He fought Danny Garcia and beat him pretty damn easily. Obviously, you have another setback, so it's going to be over a year if he gets back into the ring since that Garcia fight. But good. This is good. One of the top five or six pound-for-pound guys in Errol Spence is back, and he's in a three-belt unification bout with Ugas. Now, this whole narrative of Ugas, he should have to play the games that WBA was putting out there. He would have to fight two mandatories, Stanonius and then Budiev. After beating Manny Pacquiao, not a unification, but they were the WBA with their whole title consolidation cleanup, their whole anti-corruption cleanup, and Ugas was going to have to pay for it. After beating Pacquiao, he was going to have to fight two 
let's be honest, up and comers who guys that, yes, they are, they have names, but they're not established by any means and not fight Spence. Who's just waiting there under the PBC banner with two belts. Khan is a no brainer. And not only that, WBA was allowing uh, Murata to unify with triple G after not fighting for years. <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, double standards being here. So I'm happy that Ugas gets the payday. The guy deserves it. Uh, arguably beat, Sean Porter beat Jamal James, you know, have beat Manny Pacquiao. Guy has a lot of good wins on his resume. He's a great story. He's universally respected in the boxing world. And now we have a unification bout at welterweight, three belts on the line. This has been the year of the unification in 2021. Eight unification bouts, three undisputed bouts. Now we get another one uh, to kick off uh, next year. It should, they're saying early spring, uh, maybe April, late March. It's going to be a pay-per-view. Uh, going to be a Fox pay-per-view or a Showtime pay-per-view, whatever. Uh, it's going to be a pay-per-view no matter what. Let's be honest. That's going 100% be a, uh, a pay-per-view viewing. Unfortunately, this means we're not going to get Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter next. Not that I thought it was going to be next anyway. Um, but if Spence gets through Ugas, which is not going to be easy, uh, this makes a potential Spence-Crawford bout for all four belts at 147 i know we shouldn't get into the games of the belts and these organizations you know spence versus crawford without any belt on the line is still one of the best fights you could possibly make in boxing but spence versus crawford with four belts on the line undisputed that makes that fight even juicier and it maybe makes the fight even i wouldn't say easier but it it maybe potentially clear some of the hurdles because at this point you know Crawford wants to be undisputed you know the Spence wants to be undisputed if Crawford still has that last piece the WBO belt you know Spence is, is more likely to go for it you know at least to the public perception Spence is nonchalant he can take it or leave it if he fights Crawford but we know deep down inside he wants to fight him we know deep down inside he wants to be undisputed at 147 before he moves on to 154 before both guys move on to 154 so that fight spence versus crawford potentially the second half of 2022 when i thought the fight that's when it was going to be all along that could be for all the marbles at 147 man that would be epic but where does this leave terrence crawford now what is next for for terrence crawford you know is he going to wait until the summer i don't think he can afford to do that at his age right now he's in the prime uh, a money-making part of his career. He can't wait for a fight that he doesn't even 100% know he's going to get with Errol Spence. Could he take on a Virgil Ortiz, who is highly ranked in the WBO, who is his mandatory? Will the WBO order that? I think it's a winnable fight for, for uh, Terrence Crawford. Man, it's, it's, that would be something if they did that. Uh, I, I think... It, they won't. I think that, uh, you know, Crawford wants that Spence fight and he's not going to try to mess that up uh, as much as he says he'll fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. How about Regis Progre? How about someone like Regis Progre versus uh, Terrence Crawford? That is a winnable fight for Crawford. It's a marketable fight. I don't know under what platform it will be on because we don't know. Uh, I mean, as of now, Terrence Crawford is no longer under contract with top rank. Regis Progre has like 1,500 different promoters and managers. Last I heard, he's signed with Probellum. The both of them were in Dubai. Terrence Crawford and Progre this past weekend, hanging out, talking about fighting each other. Would not be shocked if it's Terrence Crawford versus Regis Progre. 
another name out there, Castillo Clayton, who was once highly ranked. The guy uh, had a draw with Lipinets. I thought he beat him. Uh, we could see Crawford with that type of fight, which would, let's be honest, uh, you know, Castillo Clayton's a really good fighter, but that would be kind of like a, a stay busy type of fight that's still somewhat of a challenge uh, for Crawford. Don't think it's going to be Boots Ennis. You can forget about that. It's not going to be Keith Thurman because Thurman is fighting uh, February 5th against Mario Barrios. Uh, that card was officially announced. That's going to be a pay-per-view. Uh, we'll get to that when we need to. But that is the deal uh, with Errol Spence, your Dennis Ugas. We're starting to see some clarity in the welterweight division. It's one of the only divisions uh, where there were a lot of moving parts. But, you know, at the end of spring, we're going to have a one of these guys, unless there's a draw, is going to have uh, three of the belts at welterweight and is going to be the ultimate, uh, you know, shot caller at 147 spence i still just believe that that spence is the shot caller no matter what he's going to be the a side if he does fight crawford he's going to be in total control at that point with three belts and four consecutive pay-per-views uh for errol spence quickly before we get to jake paul and tyron woodley there was an unbelievable heavyweight fight on saturday afternoon here in the states it was uh saturday night over in Manchester, England, on the zone, Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora. I thought Parker looked the best he has looked in years. Uh, you know, shout out to Andy Lee, his trainer, had him coming out there fighting fast, had him throwing combinations, despite the fact that Parker put on about 10 extra pounds of muscle. Fun fight. I mean, Parker had uh, Del Boy, or what is he going as these days? Del Boy or, or War Chisora, whatever. Parker had him hurt in the first, had him really hurt in the second. But there's something about Joseph Parker, as much as I want to praise him, you have to kind of say, man, what, what, what I mean, can you, do you have that killer instinct? I know you make these cool TikTok videos with your family and you're, you're a cool, chilled, nice guy, but what's that killer instinct? You could have got uh, Chisora out of there early on in that fight. It was numerous rounds where Chisora was absolutely hurt and it was kind of bizarre in a way. Dropped three times Chisora. And on two of those occasions, Chisora got up and walked over to his corner. It was weird and, and like kind of like assumed the position in the corner like a, like a hurt dog. And then Parker would, would just kind of tee off on him, but not go all the way. They went the distance, but it was a really fun fight. Uh, it was like an appetizer for the rest of the night. It was probably the fight of the weekend. It wasn't the event of the weekend because the event of the weekend goes to Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. Good Lord. Saturday night, Showtime pay-per-view. The main event uh, was, man, I, I thought Jake Paul was about three rounds away from the jig possibly being up. The fight was boring. The fight was not exciting. It looked just like their first fight, which was not exciting either. This would have been two consecutive decision wins for, for Jake Paul when his entire allure is knockouts. The longer you watch Jake Paul fight every round that goes on, the more you can see how much of a flawed fighter he is. And that's just how it is. The guy just picked up the sport. Uh, he throws 25 punches around. It's not really exciting boxing. It's everything but the boxing when it comes to Jake Paul. That's exciting. You know, the thing that he has is power. I will give him that. And in the sixth round, when we're on our way towards another boring decision, or we're going to have to say, you know, is this kind of up for, for Jake Paul? I mean, how's he going to manufacture interest after two decisions to Tyron Woodley? He detonates a freaking bomb from the clouds. I mean, the fight was in Tampa. Jake Paul wound up in, in Miami when he started that punch and landed on Woodley, who bit on a feint and just ate a punch. When you're 39 years old, your punch resistance is shot. Uh, your trigger is shot. Woodley's always been like that to begin with. It's even more now at age 39. 
And he hit the deck like I haven't seen the fighter hit the deck in years. Flattened. Absolutely flat on his face. Scary moment. He ended up, uh, he, he got up and, and, and was fine and was able to talk uh, to Ariel Hawani uh, right in the, in the ring after. But this was a real uh, revitalizer for, for Jake Paul. I know there's a lot of people that don't care. Uh, I am intrigued by the business side of things. I'm intrigued by the marketing side when it comes to Jake Paul, how he uh, invents these fights, how he markets them. You know, the, it's almost like WWE in a way. Like how, it's a storyline with Jake Paul. It's not just you're not just ordering a Jake Paul fight to watch a fight. You're buying into the whole circus. You're buying into him calling out UFC guys. That's another thing too with this fight is that it kind of revitalized the whole Jake Paul versus UFC fighter, which I thought was gone. You know, after he beat Askren and after he beat Woodley now twice, I thought that that chapter would be closed when it comes to Jake Paul fighting UFC guys. I thought maybe he'd maybe transition to fighting like boxers. Um, you know, like uh, that's what Tommy Fury represented. But I tell you what, from uh, reading tweets and, and talking to um, some of my buddies that were there, you know, Marcus Viegas from Fight Hub said it was a very much a UFC crowd. It was very much an MMA crowd. Masvidal was there uh, for a reason. You know, uh, Nate Diaz was there for a reason. I understand they left like right after the knockout or right before. I mean, that's a statement in itself. That means they care. Uh, they put out uh, Masvidal put out some weird uh, video where he's like in some type of red light talking to telling Jake Paul to come over to MMA. These guys want that fight. Like, why wouldn't you want that fight if you're Masvidal or if you're Nate Diaz? You're at the end of your rope. Excuse me. My headphones just fell. You're at the end of your rope, Nate Diaz. You only have one more fight left with the UFC. Masvidal has lost his last couple of fights. I mean, why not get that golden parachute that uh, Woodley just got? Two fights with Jake Paul. That's pretty much what it is. That's what it's all boiled down to. But, yeah, you're going to hear those. Those are the names you're going to start to hear. You're going to hear Masvidal. You're going to hear Nate Diaz. who still has one fight left on his on – his, uh, contract even conor mcgregor is not that crazy right now that's what that knockout did last night it breathed all new air into jake paul it got people upset it got people mad it got people happy every type of emotion that's the what jake paul experience is is getting people pissed off <laughs> making people laugh like myself and uh that's what it is look look at it. if you look at the uh, trajectory of jake paul which is going up and conor mcgregor stock which is going down they were going to meet. Conor McGregor and, and Jake Paul could meet. That's how kind of bad it is for Conor McGregor right now. It's not out of question that those two get into a boxing ring in the next, you know, 12, 18 months. That is a huge fight. Uh, any way you want to slice it, that is a big fight. But I didn't think I would have to address the whole, you know, is Jake Paul good for boxing? What does it mean for boxing? Are YouTubers taking over boxing? But no. That's not the case. There's only look around. There's only one YouTuber in boxing. It's Jake Paul. And he's kind of weaved his way into boxing seamlessly. I mean, you, you just saw it. I mean, we just watched three great months of boxing, right? The last three months from October, Wilder Fury until this weekend, there were great fights every single weekend. I think a hardcore fan, which is not exactly who's watching Jake Paul fights could see that this isn't good fighting after you watch three months of good fights, but it's an experience. The real power in boxing comes when you can draw a crowd. Draw interest. And there is no doubt that Jake Paul does that. He had the entire sports world either watching that fight or reacting to the knockout on social media. Everyone, Patrick Mahomes, you name it. Brooks Kepka was there in the crowd. You had people that, that never would talk about it. People are hitting me up. Uh, more text messages I got uh, last night and early this morning uh, 
about Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, Dan, it's probably around the same as when I got when McGregor fought Mayweather. That's the type of pull uh, and attention that Jake Paul's getting right now. You know, there were about 18,000 in attendance in Tampa, which is insanely impressive. Uh, did good on pay-per-view. His last fight did over a million buys on Showtime pay-per-view. They're looking smart for making that investment. But Jake Paul is a celebrity. I've said this a million times. Jake Paul is a celebrity. Celebrities are good at marketing. Jake Paul is using boxing as a vehicle to make money. Where else can you make that type of money in one night as a solo artist, a solo performer? Maybe in, in the musical act? But I don't think Jake Paul can sing. I don't think he can dance or he'd still be on Disney Channel. And he can't really box either, but he could punch and he knows how to market himself. And that's what it is. I, I, it's crazy that we still have to uh, say this again and again and again. But I think last night just kind of brought more eyeballs to it. Same questions are coming back. Like, how is this possible? How is he able to do this? You know, how is he a real boxer? Is he ever going to fight a real boxer? That's that's as he's just playing right into everyone's hands right now. Jake Paul is just on top. He is one of the biggest attractions in boxing. I mean, it was a professional fight, so that has to go into the knockout of the year candidate, which is insane. You know, he's one of the best ticket sellers. He is the only guy. If you believe that the last pay per view did over a million buys, he is one of the only. He is the only fighter to do a million pay per view buys uh, this year. And Canelo reported number was 800,000 with Plant. Uh, we don't know 100% if that's true or not. Don't want to get into pay-per-view numbers because I feel like we just left that behind with Javante Davis for the last two weeks. I'm pretty sure Leonard Ellerby right now is tweeting at fans uh, furiously, telling us how much of a star that, that uh, Javante Davis is. Damn, he is uh, going to tweet through it, uh, Leonard Ellerby. But that is it. Those are all the uh, topics that I wanted to get to. Um, I did not want to go a full week without getting that out there. Uh, it's an exciting time, even when we thought that the schedule was going to die down a bit. Uh, you know, we had big news, whether it was the Spence Ugas news, big fights, uh, exciting stuff, um, lightweight division, obviously, uh, really intriguing. But uh, there's obviously kind of sucks that the Triple G Murata fight is off, which was supposed to be the 28th. I'm pretty sure if I read correctly, Ioka found a replacement fight. Uh, I don't know if, where that's going down. I have to check uh, the headlines on that. But there will be boxing on Christmas Day this year in Newark over on Fox. Vito Milnecki uh, will fight um, over on Fox. That should do a good number because, you know, by, by Christmas night, you're all settled in on the couch. So you're done eating. Gifts are done. And you're kind of just sitting around looking for something to watch. So I think that will do a really, really good rating. And there's New Year's Day boxing over a Fox pay-per-view. Uh, pay-per-view. You got... Luis Ortiz, he wants to go by Luis now versus Charles Martin, a heavyweight bonanza. Uh, let's see if there's going to be fans there. That's another thing that I'm keeping an eye on with the new uh, variant, the COVID variant uh, raging here in New York, especially. Uh, it's raging all over the country and all over the world. Uh, I don't think we're going to have fights being canceled. If anything, I'm, I think we'll see fights uh, going back behind closed doors. Bubble boxing might be a thing. Uh, interesting that we thought the better BF Brown, I was convinced that that was either going to be canceled or behind uh, an empty crowd. So that was uh, encouraging, I would say, because we don't want to go back to bubble boxing, but we also don't want to see no boxing at all. So I think any fan out there would gladly uh, not want to see a stoppage. But, uh, you know, the bigger fights, the bigger names are, won't be happening until the end of January. I think January 22nd, Virgil Cheese is supposed to come back. 
uh, substitute Mike, uh, not Mikey Garcia, uh, you know, uh, Francis, uh, what's his name? Vargas, Jesse Vargas and Liam, William, one of the Liams are fighting uh, in late January. And then we're seeing the Thurman fights February 5th. So there is some time to kind of see how everything plays out with the variant, but also, you know, there's going to be a massive surge during Christmas and we might not see the ramifications until late January. So that's something to keep an eye on. Though A lot of people don't want to talk about that uh, anymore, but you know, it's something that you do have to monitor. Uh, that's really it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning in all year long. We're going to have one last big show of the year, uh, December 28th. I'm going to uh, sit down and have our, our official Inside Boxing Live CompuBox TV year-end show. It's going to have some quirky awards. We're going to have some stat-related awards. We're going to look ahead to, to next year, take a look at each um, promotional company and take a look at boxing as a whole, what we can see in 2021, fun guests. Uh, that's coming at the end of the year. And that's it, really. You know, It was a good year. I'm, I'm not going to get into too much about how what we saw this past year because that's going to be uh, next week's episode of a fun weekend just when we thought the boxing schedule was uh you know this weekend on paper didn't look like it was going to be that fun ended up being one of the uh, better weekends of the year too we saw a lot of women fights too i think 2022 is going to be a big year for the ladies uh in in the boxing world thank you so much happy holidays uh merry christmas to those that celebrate stay safe out there uh it's rough out there right now be safe be vigilant uh don't get sick if you do uh, get better fast. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another edition of Inside Boxing Live. We will see you next time.